Welcome to Packet Pushers, a podcast on data networking where real engineers get together to talk nerdy. A place where we can talk so fast that you can't even hear what we're saying because we use multiple lanes of conversation. Excited? Of course you are. When real engineers get together to talk nerdy, we don't have to apologise for being all of that. Waving our hands at the virtual whiteboard, breathing the air of the hot aisle, and pretending that we know what all the discussion is about. Today, uh, a quick priority queue recording uh, with Oza and Chris from Hewlett Packard Enterprise or from Aruba Networking. Now, that, as most of you know, uh, recently that there was a merger between Hewlett Packard Enterprise and Aruba Networking, and it's been a little confusing in my mind as to exactly how that's going to shake out. So, first of all, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, Oza? Hello, folks. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Responsible for product marketing here at Aruba, a Hewlett Packard Enterprise company. That's our identity, official identity of the organization, newly formed organization. Very important to say Hewlett Packard uh, Enterprise, I believe. It is. Because every time every time I say HPE, I'm getting a good spanking, and I'm beginning to enjoy it. I think. Actually, no. HPE is commonly used. Mm. We use it commonly, and you know, it's kind of a, especially for social media and other venues, it's a good good abbreviation. But I think Hewlett Packard Enterprise is trying to make sure that people understand what the separation between Inc. side of the house and the enterprise side of the house is really all about. So they're trying to establish the brand, which is, you know, as a marketing person, I can understand. And what do you do at Aruba? Uh, I run the product marketing uh, department, as I said. That includes positioning, messaging, content creation, etc., anything that you see public. I try to stay away from the technical side of the house, although I'm a double E engineer. I I studied computer networking back in school, but I but I like the more creative side of the things nowadays. Well, I mean, I've known you on and off for a couple of years, and yeah. I've spoken to people around the industry. For all the fact that you've had the lobotomy to go into product marketing, you've actually remained reasonably human <laughs> and uh, not entirely... Right. Not entirely right. It actually adds credibility, you mm. know, having that background of many years in the lab and kind of going through the paces of small company to a big organization now mm. kind of adds credibility to what we do in marketing. And I don't think that you can stay too much away from what customers want, which is ultimately IT organizations and engineers, Mm. if you just are too far away from what they're trying to do day to day and you don't know how long it takes to install a server and connect to a switch or provision a VLAN and then route it to an interface and then you don't know how a router so needs sort of to have a backup. So you're reality to the marketing because you've right. been through the dark side part. Yeah, basically if you don't understand what happens at 12.30 on a Friday and if you mm-hmm. haven't lived through that, it's kind of hard to resonate <laughs> with everybody else. Yeah, 12.30 is an unofficial change for his very happy place. Yeah. Chris, yeah. please tell people. Uh, at Netman Chris on Twitter, uh, good to be back yeah. again. This is yeah, you're a repeat offender. I mean, uh, guest. Yeah. Um, you keep sucking me in. I'm, I just can't get enough of the abuse. <laughs> yes. Um, so I am a officially a consulting technical marketing engineer working mm-hmm. for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Branding is important. Yep. Um, I think it's as Ozer said that we're trying to to make sure that people know we went through this. So there's the merger part and there was the split part. Um, I think the split is definitely less less to talk about because that's it's pretty clear. It's been covered everywhere else, yeah. you know. Yeah. The ink part of the business, printers, desktops, laptops, you know, that sort of stuff, that's all gone. And I think it's, I, I've said this before on the network break many times, is that I think that, you know, HP was such an, a sprawling business. This ability to focus down is probably going to work well. While Dell gets bigger by acquiring EMC potentially or merging with EMC depending on your point of view, both solutions are perfectly viable. You, you can't say one's better than the other, both might work for a given company. 
you know, I'll, I'll wait and see the, the proof will be in the pudding when it out. HPE and Aruba Networking are merging. HP yep. Networking is a large piece of business. We've got lots and lots of different products inside there, multiple Wi-Fi strategies, like you've got all the Colubris as well as all the other acquisitions that were done to give Wi-Fi. You've got all the switching products, the Comware, the Procurve. You've got routers, WAN routers, LAN switches, campus switches, all that sort of stuff. And now Aruba Networking comes along. You've got, the, obviously, the very strong Wi-Fi story. Yep. And today you announced the beacons. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the beacon stuff towards the end. How, how does HPE and Aruba get together? What's going to happen there? If you're a customer, what are you going to see? Actually, let me start by sharing some tribal knowledge. Hmm. I, I would have probably got into trouble with Wall Street if I shared this last year, but not anymore. We're already acquired. So back in 2005, I distinctly remember when our CEO, Dominic Orr, took over as the CEO. He was the first investor at Aruba. He, he wrote the first $12 million check as Series A investor, and then he became the CEO a couple of years later, and he basically stood in front of a group of 150, 200 people or so and said, guys, we're going IPO uh, in a couple of years. I don't know exactly when, as long as market conditions allow and as long as we keep on winning deals against Cisco, uh, which we did. And then he said, after that, it depends on how big we get. We're either going to be acquiring a networking vendor mm -hmm. that allows us to expand beyond just Wi-Fi because we will be very limited in our solution set if we don't go beyond Wi-Fi, or we will actually merge acquired by another big name and take the battle to our number one competitor today. Fast forward to 10 years later, that's exactly what happened. Right. I distinctly remember that conversation in the town hall meeting, and that's why I kind of kept in mind for a long time, and that's one of the advantages of being in the organization for too long, because kind of set level set. Now, did he see the future? Nobody knows, but that was kind of a big bet, right? Well, and the big bet kind of paid off. That was the way we. It wasn't. The, that's not seeing the future to me. If I look back at 2005. That was kind of the way things did. We didn't build businesses to IPO them. Well, we yep. built businesses to IPO them. We didn't build them to be acquired. Yep. Wireless was very different from Ethernet back in 2005. Yep. It was yep. meant to be. They, the two didn't meet. You know, yep. Wi-Fi went in the roof and Ethernet went in the floor and yep. never the twain shall meet sort of thing. There was a cable. Sorry? There was a cable between us. There was a cable, but, yeah, you know, cable. Yeah. the Wi-Fi was just like any other desktop or any other server. It was connected at an Ethernet yep. jack yep. and Wi-Fi yep. was tightly, you know. That, and, and, and it was, was really a, the way it was going to be. It was an interesting model. You know, another thing is just... I don't know how, but we, we were in an email chain uh, last month, and Dom was on it, and I was on it, and he shared a video from 2002, the first ever corporate video that we did, and it was all about securing the Wi-Fi, because that was one of the big pain points about Wi-Fi. Nobody was trusting Wi-Fi to be secure and encrypted, and now we all know that it's actually possible and it's working. So we banked on that. That was our niche positioning differentiation as a startup. And then the title of our first venture capital pitch, our pitch deck, the title of it was Unwiring the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Again, back in the day, there's no iPhone, there's no iPad, there's no it smartphone. Just, it was laptops. I mean, the laptops, even docking stations for laptops all over the place, right? So I remember the dongle. <laughs> right, there's a dongle, right? Yeah. So you look at that and go, you guys are crazy, right? Yeah. So there's definitely a little bit of bed taking, a little bit of future seeing. Now, if the iPad, iPhone didn't come around, if iOS, Android didn't come around, we wouldn't be here today. You know, Wi-Fi technology had 
big issues with encryption and security or privacy or standard bodies decided to just shut it down or move to it. I think, I mean, I think the greatest weakness in Wi-Fi it's, is still interference, right? The ability to... Yeah. If you didn't know a way to manage it, yeah. You never know if your iPhone, if your Wi-Fi is bad because it's the Wi-Fi or because it's the internet uplink. All yeah. you know is the end-to-end is... The answer is nine times out of ten, it's actually the internet uplink, but you always blame the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Those types of issues are the things. So that, essentially, the, the way we came about to become a billion-dollar revenue organization in 10 years, 12 years, is depends on a lot of luck and a lot of industrial factors. There was a moment that we woke up every morning and thanked Steve Jobs because we were like, oh my God, like this is this is great. People actually want APs. I don't have to actually go out door to door asking them to buy APs. They come to me. It's a big change. So after that change, after we get into becoming more mission critical in the accounts, customers started asking us, okay guys, time to get serious. You're not a point product anymore. This is mission critical stuff. I want you to manage this from one end to the other end. Sure. Hewlett Packard Enterprise delivered that for us. Mm-hmm. That's no surprise anymore. That's why the acquisition happened. But I think our business model, essentially Hewlett Packard Enterprise acquired us, but the business model follows the herbal model, which means that you invest, you run a high margin business model. If you look at, again, this is no, this is no surprise, it's yeah. out there right in public forums. If you look at Hewlett Packard networking business model, it operated on a 50, 50% gross margin. What that meant was if your operating margin was 20 bucks, 20%, you would get $30 out of every $100 and try to compete with Cisco, where they had 70% margins, they would spend $50. Right, so essentially there was, a, there was kind of a mismatch. A number yeah. of, whether we like it or not, our number one competitor set the stage for networking to be a high margin business. They invest a lot in sales and marketing, so mm-hmm. you need to be able to do that. Aruba had that business model, so the Aruba's business model and a Hill Packard Enterprise networking portfolio augmented with Aruba's Wi-Fi and some of the software solutions is the merger, right? So I kind of gave you the perspective of how did we get here in the first place because the way we, it depends a lot on a lot of luck, technologies mm-hmm. involved and industry changes, but we actually followed line by line our number one competitor's business model to basically be able to fight with them, form a sales and marketing organization to be able to go to market. And then that was attractive to Hewlett Packard to So just to mention that, I mean, the advantage of a high profit margin business model like what Cisco runs and what Aruba runs is that you have sales staff, you've got money for tech support, you've got money for marketing to produce white papers, white glove services. And if that's the business that you're used to and that's the touch, you want that high touch, experience then you're going to enjoy that type of thing you're going to expect that from yep you, you want because that. because you know exist many of our customers that we go after today are let's face it cisco's install base which, which is their number one blessing and the curse right mm-hmm. it's their number one blessing because they continue to make money from it but then the, it's a curse because it's a big ship it's hard to move it around so when somebody like aruba comes in and as agile as them, they mm-hmm. used to be in 1990s. A lot of the our, our existing customers tell us Cisco used to be like this in 1992, right? When so we were Chris, a startup, so it was kind of the we learned from the people who I guess kind of innovated in the networking space in the first place. So. Cool. So Chris, you're coming in from the Hewlett Packard Enterprise mm-hmm. side. How does that feel to you? Does that make you? I'm quite honestly, I'm I was one of the customers of Cisco in the 90s. Yeah. So I remember those days, and I, I sometimes kind of lament for what that was. And, and it, it's in those days, I was on the partner side, customer side. 
now it's like I actually get to participate from the vendor side in that same growth feeling and that energy that it's, quite honestly, it's a totally different energy. I, I'm mm -hmm. really liking it. There's, it's an acquisition, um, merger, whatever you want to call it. So there's always, if, if I said there was, everybody was sunshine and happiness, everybody knows there's conflict. It's going to happen. But um, what I have been most impressed with so far, and this is, is really, um, it's an attestment to the people that I work with, is that people have been able to put egos aside, regardless of what side, whether it was um, you know, the Aruba heritage, HP heritage, you know, 3Com heritage, whatever you were, and sit back and go, what's the right move? So there, there's, there's none of this. I've, I've been through a few acquisitions and it's we bought you, thou shalt do what we say because I'm mm -hmm. the new boss. And that's not what's happening. I think that's what, that would have been the old HP. We bought you, you'll do what we say. Uh, Whereas now there's been this constant transformation that HPE, yep, HP, maybe. HPE, however you want to say that, I think we're now starting to see a bit more of a maturity around that acquisition cycle and saying each party's got something to bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's, um, you know, from, from a management structure, you know, I think it's, it's clear the Aruba Dominic Orr is, is the head of the BU. So definitely... So that's important. The Aruba CEO yeah. is now the head of HP Networking. Yep. Um, Kirti is CTO still, right? So there's there's a lot of the Ozer obviously is still in in the same role. Um, there's a lot of that management structure, and, and from an external, it could easily be perceived that Aruba is running the show, but everybody has been totally open-minded. There there's yeah. been no nothing enforced on it. It doesn't feel like to get to the real meat of we're not second-class citizens. We're already here. It's not. It doesn't feel like that. So as a customer, so I'm sitting here put, trying to put myself in the customer's shoes. The idea of Aruba sort of taking over the HP network infrastructure, this actually resonates with and, and following the pitch that you've made there around the high value, high service, high, high margin yeah. business on the same lines as what I'm getting from Cisco is probably going to be successful because HP networking has sort of been the cheaper alternative and trading on a price meant you know, the pro curve switches in the campus was a big winner because it was a, you know, there was a lot of money so, to be yeah. made. I, I think that, that, that there was a market perception that that was the case. Yep. Absolutely. Um, having come from, yes, my, my CCIE is a real CCIE, Greg, even though it's voice. Um, <laughs> having come from that world and, and gone through those technical, you know, point-to-point -point comparison, it, there is so much value that I, I think that we had, HP traditionally just had issues getting out of that yes. perceived value play, which translates a lot of times into we're cheaper, where you don't even realize how much with MPLS and stackable switches yep. for like a list price of like less than 7K US, something like that. Yep. Who knew we even had that? We didn't even know, yeah, exactly. Right? All, all that technology has been there, and, and we've had all this amazing technology coming back. Like, if you actually look at the heritage of what's the intellectual property in this BU right now, it's HP and 3Com, which existed, what, 15 years before Cisco was ever a thought? Yes. So if you look at all the intellectual property, the technology we have, uh, we just kind of got this, this stigma of cheaper. People never got past that to look at, you know, mm -hmm. you, it's, it's that perception of it's cheaper, therefore it can't be as good as. Right, mm. and it, and it's so. I think this is really starting to force people to take another look, and then and um, you know I've seen a lot of customers just kind of go. I, I just got out of working Discovery. You know, you get booth duty that thing, and the guy's going, "What?" And you do what? You know that. that well, you remember we did HP Discover. We yeah. Did a sponsored set of podcasts with HP Discover in Barcelona this time last year. Yep. And remember when I found the, your WAN routing team? Sue Dart. Sue yes. Dart, right? Great show. So yep. you should go and look it up because she's <laughs> awesome. She just calls it exactly like it is yep. and takes no takes no prisoners. <laughs> but we talk, I didn't realize that your WAN routers basically have all of the stuff. There's nothing 
more or less missing that yeah. isn't available in competitive products. No, absolutely. And, and as someone who's like full on to multi-vendor networking and tracking, I just wasn't aware until I saw yeah. it at HP Discover at that you point. You know, I think at some point what it takes is, and we've all been through this, there's just a lot of things to consume in the world. I can't keep up with all the news and the push notifications and the emails and everything else. And something just needs to be clear and crisp in front of the customer. And that's why a lot of people like the new formed entity here spend lots of dollars on sales and marketing because you need to push your way through the, the noise. Hmm. And the number of local partners that you have in the region, uh, the number of sales reps, the number of sales engineers, the number of certified engineers that you have in the region is one thing. But the other piece of the puzzle that I think we're heavily invested in as Aruba, you know, I shared with you our number one competitors, I believe the biggest weakness, their install base, although I think it's also a blessing for them. Our number one differentiator in the market, forget about all the technology stuff, which we believe that we have great engineers and great product managers and great QA people and the labs and everything else that we can build, is the community, right? So now you have this area's community that started as 20 people meeting like this one in this room right now, and now turn into 35,000 people in the participating online and you know 1,000 to 2,000 of them active every month, download technical material, interact with PLMs, go to user conferences, go to regional shows. And they basically, when you have a great quarter, but at the end of the quarter you have a very bad day, you're num one of your number one customers is about to leave you, you lost another deal, the order that you were waiting didn't come at the end of the quarter, those guys saved the day. They actually, if we have a bad press, which of course happens to everybody, they actually go to bat for us and say, you know what, you guys are okay because I get all the information that I need. So they actually started defending for us. To be honest with you, that's how we survived against Cisco. Otherwise, meeting the technology on both sides of the house, Cisco coming after us, we're going after them. We can probably like meet. I believe that we yeah. have lots of technology differentiation, which mm -hmm. I can, I'm happy to display <laughs> in a variety of forms. But at the end of the day, if you look at how we differentiate, we basically go back to the community and ask, guys, what do you want? What do you want us to build next? I'm always a bit cautious about when a vendor says they go back to the community to say, what do you want? Sometimes they'll actually tell you that they want a better horse. <laughs> where what you yeah. really wanted was a car, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm always a little cautious when, you know, if you get too customer focused, you actually lose sight of the long-term vision. I mean, the, the do, flip side sure. of, there's a couple of things about community and about the Airheads community. A, it's got a cool name. I quite like Airheads <laughs> as opposed to Cisco certification community, which is kind of cool. Uh, secondly, you are now big enough to offer certifications yep. and a training and a career progression. Yep. So if somebody feels that following, I'm not a huge fan of certification, as this market goes through a transition. I think right now, certifications are less relevant than having experience and self-learning, self-paced learning and self-paced. Yep. And at some point when the industry stabilizes in a few years time, the certifications will become more useful, yeah. right? And we, we have periods where certifications are less useful as we go through churn, because yeah. the technology just expires and the things that you learn aren't useful long term. Yeah. I mean, the reality is I think in the 1990s, the leader in networking at that time followed the model of I'm gonna educate people through certifications and books and articles and publications. I mean, you, you go to cisco.com today and you learn a lot about networking, right? Yeah. So that actually created this recognition of the brand that, okay, if I wanna learn this thing, I actually go to them and I and I can actually progress in my career. So they, people against, you know, 
the incumbents of that time, people bet their jobs on Cisco. Basically in the last, I think 10 years, lots of our customers and community members have been betting their jobs on Aruba and HP because we offer something different and we kind of we kind of have a different model of selling and servicing our customers, which obviously resonate with many out there. Having that interaction is very good. If they're betting their job on us against their boss telling them to go with the, the green boxes, then we, we have, we better deliver white glove service. Like this kind of the balance there because they, they literally threaten their jobs. And if, and if everything goes well, they become the director of IT and the VP of infrastructure because wireless is more important and mobility is more important and we want to go, you know, variety, you know, open source in our data center and we want to just kind of push the boundary a little bit from the traditional way of doing networking. So. Chris, you're expecting to see HP networking step up and become part of the Aruba model and the uh, transformation and you think the team at HP is, is in moving that way? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So the, there is um, still as things shake through, there's some of the org chart stuff that's happening, but yeah. Yeah. what I've seen, so there, there's like the, if you look at on paper stuff that's happening and then there's the reality, which is, is the collaboration is happening, um, that we're, we're actually talking, the product managers are talking, there's cross-pollinization of technologies between different um, product groups that, that up until two months ago, could they even talk really that much? Maybe kind of, sort of, right? So uh, it, it's definitely happening. I see the, as Ozer said, the marketing stuff is there's actually getting involved in, and yeah. starting to be um, what I like if I have to criticize past HP is a lot of the time we got involved in, and, and I think the industry as a whole, we can say this, look, I have a shiny new box. It has bits, it has bytes, it has ports. Mm. We don't talk about speeds and feeds much these days. Mm -hmm. uh, Aruba, That's again, what the spec sheets for. But exactly. Yeah. I can read that in a data sheet. Why do you need to tell me that, right? Yeah. Whereas the, the Aruba approach seems to be much more, yeah, I've got this stuff. This is what it means to you, yeah. right? It, so it, it seems to be, you know, Dominic or, uh, I don't even know how many times I've heard this, customer first, customer last, right? And that, that culture seems to be, culture is really, the, in mergers, it's the hardest thing to do, and it seems to be heavily infecting the HP side, and I mean that in a really good way, yeah, yeah. right? This is, this is a good infection. All right, let me ask you about existing products. HP's got a, especially HP Networking, has got a sprawling portfolio of stuff. Three, or th three different wireless divisions inside of HP, mm -hmm. bought a couple of different companies over time. They're all still in play, they're all still being manufactured, they're all still being supported. You've got Procurve, you've got Comware, of course Aruba comes along, it's got its own range of Ethernet switches that are part of its wide wireless. Yep. Is any of that gonna die? Is any of that gonna fade away? As a customer, should I be concerned that that's gonna be ditched? Yeah, so I can um, take a first crack at it. First of all, I think we should do a update on this question in March. Okay. We have um, at our user conference, Atmosphere, the next Airheads in Vegas, we actually have an announcement coming up. So I can only share without impacting RevRec and without getting my hands well, slapped. Maybe, by, you'll, maybe you'll invite the packet pushes to come along and we'll uh, record Absolutely, yourself. I would love to do it. So I think basically, I think they publicly share some of the items without causing RevRec issues. Aruba Wi-Fi, obviously, the leading Wi-Fi platform. Um, there's no end of sale, end of life on the other platforms yet, right? So those platforms are being supported, customers are being advised that the innovation engine is moving towards zero Wi-Fi infrastructure, and the existing deployments should eventually migrate, although we're supporting it. One way that we're actually making it easier on our customers is our network management platform, Airwave, which is the preferred wired and wireless platform at the access layer, 
and ClearPass, which is the preferred policy management platform at the access layer, they're both multi-vendor. Mm -hmm. They've already been working with HP components, actually. In fact, HP Inc., before the split, before the acquisition, was a large Airwave and ClearPass customer, one of our largest, actually, to manage their multiple generation of HP and Cisco networking gear that's globally deployed in the, in the enterprise. So that helps. Yeah. Right, because you can start getting visibility into, and you don't have to do it overnight, you can get start vis visibility into migration strategy. So that's Wi-Fi. And obviously on the other side of the house, you look at the switching and routing feature set on Hill Packard Enterprise switching and routing, it it's, doesn't compare yep. to what we're able to offer. We had great features for secure wired access, role-based access control, we had great features around zero-based provisioning, management from the cloud, and things like that, but then, you know, scale it up to a venue like this, or, you know, big campuses, we just didn't have that kind of, uh, the end-to-end -end, uh, portfolio, and the, to be honest with you, the portfolio options. So, our switching solutions uh, will be, of course, migrating, and our software intelligence will be migrating to the to the other side of the house. So, and you know, I. I Nobody knows how to do this right, None. right? This is, like, I, I personally feel like I'm part of an arranged marriage, okay, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, your parents find somebody and you, they show up and it's all awkward and you're like, uh, I don't know you that well and what's going on? Like, nobody is prepared for an arranged marriage. Especially one done at uh, short notice, in effect. Like, I mean, this probably took six months to get here, but... Yeah, uh, but to be honest with you, it's going well because we're at Discover, we're at the keynote stage, we're yeah. announcing products and... We are we are getting invited to meetings with customers not in three weeks but in three days because we have the oomph. and then people are actually now looking at Google Packet Enterprise wireless solutions as like okay best of breed because it's at the top right corner of the Gartner MQ right mm -hmm. so it's a the arranged marriage for me it's going well but there are awkward times and there are hard times for hmm. sure. you know, and, and I think you know was there obviously mentioned uh, ClearPass and Airwave. Um, just to throw it out there, IMC's not going away either. It's just, it fits at a different part in the portfolio. So that's going to continue to be around. But, yeah, IMC, well, I, you know, I was thinking that at the yep. top of my head, but then there's no reason that IMC and ClearPass can't merge. There are. They're, architecturally, there are. They're, they're, the merger of them, you're not going to see, you know, some of the questions we get a lot is, is Airwave going to be a module in IMC? Are we going to take ClearPass and do that? And, and that's not the intention. There's, you know, having historically been part of that, there's a lot of times when you don't want it to be part of your network management platform in ClearPass, it's, the, the word, the first word is bad, and the second word I'm not supposed to say on a podcast. It's awesome. I love that platform, right? Airwave has uh, a great interface. It does a really well at the wireless management. Not so much with the MPLS, though, right? So, and, and, and that's okay. Automation, one view integration. Like yeah. Airwave doesn't even... But, but doesn't even know what one view is. So that being so said, there's still a scope for IMC. There absolutely and so ClearPass would still stay as, a, but it would, and then IMC there'd be a federated sideways. It wouldn't be an HPE if I didn't use the word composable. There's, <laughs> there's APIs, right? So what we're look we're, we're looking at doing yep. is doing integrations between the two of them. So yeah. you, you get this kind of best of both worlds that you can pull and push, and you could, you know, we're right now we're we're definitely doing some spaghetti, you know, the spaghetti meetings internally. Let's just throw stuff at the wall and see what we think makes sense. Does does it make sense to integrate, um, for instance, and you know, if you have comments, at Netman Chris on Twitter, feedback, 
does it make sense for us to help to push out Cisco configurations, HP configurations, to help enable and streamline the ClearPass 802.1x on a wired network? Like, is that something that is, is worth us doing? Some of the auditing capabilities we have, there's a lot of stuff that we could look at, potentially. Uh, there is definitely integration happening. The first, which gets released um, tomorrow, something like that. So on that's the IMC an interesting 17. idea. Imagine that. So an 802.1x configuration on a Cisco switch. So ClearPass is managing the Aruba Wi-Fi, talks to the IMC. The IMC then reaches down to the Cisco and configures the 802.11x for wired-to-wireless yep. integration. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a multi-vendor situation that could work. And that's one of IMC's and strengths. Abso or absolutely. Has, has been. Yep. And, and just, quite honestly, auditing. If you look at, and, and I won't... It sounds like I'm calling out Cisco, but it's not. It's everybody. Yes. Um, the thing is that Cisco is such a large part of the market. Yep. It's hard it is, to yeah. ever have any networking discussion if, that if doesn't have Cisco. There's us on them, yeah. If you have ever had, I'll use us as the example, yeah. So, but this will apply to every network vendor. If you have switch XYZ and you have code from two years ago, you will not get the same feature set that you get if you have the code from now. Yes. So if you start looking at especially things like 802.1x and, and a lot of the radius stuff that's happened, change of authorization attributes, these kinds of things, it simply doesn't exist in your newer code. So if you're looking at doing a full deployment of something like ClearPass, where you this identity-based networking, you want it to work, wouldn't you like to know what version of code is on your switches? Yeah, we do that too, right? So and does it have this feature? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of this stuff that we're looking at that there, there's kind of a, a place and a home for everything. And we're just trying to figure out how do we how do we connect it again to bring this back. The thinking process is how do we connect this to provide the most value to our customers possible. So I had a discussion this morning with one of the architects from the CTO's office. I said to him, "Look, you've got to be able to get rid of some of these products. You can't keep dragging these coffins along behind you." And his point was, they're profitable pieces of business, right? So we may have we may not necessarily be going forward with a certain product line, but that doesn't mean that it's not profitable even if it's sold as is. They need to evolve to simplify how we sell and how people mm. deploy it, how customers use it, etc. Well, his point was that customers yeah. trust HP to hold on to these technologies year in, year out, yeah. and not just ditch them all the time. You know, I have troubles with that because I'd much rather see technology ditched every three years so we can move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, part of the way to achieve that would be to have cheaper products that we can just discard, like yeah. uh, print, print cartridges. Yeah. We should be able to throw away our wireless like it's a consumable item instead of having to capitalize it. Yeah. And that would allow us to rotate a lot quicker. But, you know, that's just not something that's going to happen. An interesting model. I mean, to one, one thing about the management and the software side of the house, I like to think of the joint organization as a group of people who are really good at building hardware, but they are great at building software. And that might end up being our technology differentiation going forward. Like, I looked at, recently I was looking at, okay, why are we different from Cisco? Okay, there's this, you know, other softer differentiation conversation that we had around our community, but technologically, why is it? And 80% of it was driven by software. If I just didn't have good software engineers yeah. programming the network, writing the management code, policy code, it just it just wouldn't work. And as part of that software strategy, there's definitely a multi-vendor approach that we're following, which is, again, I like analogies. You take your mobile phone. I came from US. I land in London. I turn it on. I'm on Vodafone network. My bill comes at the end of the month, says, you went to London. They see the entire thing, and they charge me for it. Like to this, at this point, when the primary consumers of data is our mobile devices, 
you can't just say, oh, you know, your device, your end user computing device, which used to be a desktop PC, which was static in a cube, which was never moving, your end user computing device became a smartphone, but, you know, you moved between buildings or you moved between different campuses. I was using different vendors, so I can't really tell you where the CEO has been two days out of five. That used to be an acceptable answer because desktop PC never moved. The end user computer device never moved. Now it does. So on the router, on the switch, on the, on the data center, on the access layer, you just need to know where that CEO's iPad FaceTime traffic was to be able to troubleshoot or monitor or do something about it. So that end user computing device, as it moves around, you need to follow different paths which involves multiple vendors. This is why IMC, Airway, ClearPass continues to stay as a multi-vendor. All right, so let's, that oh. seems like a good point to wrap this. Uh, any closing remarks, uh, Oza? Yeah, I mean, happy to continue the conversation. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at OzWiFi. Chris? I'm around, at NetmanChris on Twitter, you know, doing a lot of stuff, blogging on OpenSwitch currently at uh, Control Issues with a K. So kind of playing with one of our other new, new things going on. And yeah, hit me up if you have any questions. Okay, so that's it for the show. Uh, thanks for listening to the Packet Pushers Priority Queue. Uh, and thanks to Hewlett Packard Decker Networking and Aruba for getting together to quickly talk about uh, what does the merger mean for you and, and trying to peer into the future. As you say, as Oza said, it's going to take a while for the to work through the internal process. So we don't kind of know exactly how it's going to turn out, but I think he sort of hinted that in March next year we'll have a clearer vision of what it's going to look like. So hopefully we'll be able to get together again and talk about that. now. Thanks again for listening to the show. We'll be back again in about a week or so. Make sure that you come back. I'd like to thank Chris and Oza for turning up today. I'm Greg Farrow. You can find me on my blog at Ethereal Mind. On the Twitter is at Ethereal Mind. And if you have a chance, please sign up for my magazine newsletter called Human Infrastructure. You can just head over to ethereumind.com and there's a little sign-up box at the top. We'd love to hear your feedback about today's show, so send an email to packetpushers at gmail.com and let us know what you're thinking. Alternatively, you can check out the podcast website at packetpushers.net, leave comments, and if you've got any questions there, I can make sure that somebody's there to answer. I'll forward them on to Chris or Oza. And you can also follow us on Twitter as at packetpushers. But as always, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>